0: Welcome back. You are listening to today I learned Bitcoin. This is the host Alec. Uh, today we're actually going to learn about UTXOs. If you don't know what a UTXO is and you hold Bitcoin, this is the episode for you. Especially if you plan to hold Bitcoin for the long term, we're going to discuss quite a few different arrays, like what UTXO management means and what the implications are if you're holding. You know just small amounts of bitcoin and utxos what could happen potentially in the future making sure you're aware you know of the long term and you know just really how to control your coins in the most efficient way to learn about this actually brought back our guest from a few episodes back tom honzik he's actually a subject matter expert surrounding utxo so i figured who better to ask. It's been an incredibly important topic lately. If you're on Bitcoin Twitter or around the space in general, there's been tons of talks, especially with the, the recent spike in fees on the Bitcoin main chain. So incredibly important subject to learn. I'm excited to dive into this. Let me go ahead and bring up Tom and we'll get things rolling here. Tom, welcome back, man. Thanks for coming on.
1: Hey Alec, yeah, thanks for having me back on. This is my first repeat appearance on a podcast and happy to be here for sure. Awesome.
0: Well, I truly appreciate you taking the time. I'm excited to dive into this. I probably, I mean, I'll admit, I've never once went through to manage my UTXOs. I knew that there was some things I should be aware of, you know, try to, you know, not do small transactions through my DCA and whatnot, kind of set a threshold, but Never really took it seriously until recently, you know, reading articles like yours. And honestly, like a ton of the people I follow on Twitter have been posting about it recently. So figured what a better time. So thank you for coming on to to walk through that.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. UTXOs, you're not you're not alone in the the crowd of Bitcoiners that don't manage UTXOs yet or don't even know what a UTXO is. It sounds like a technical term, but it's really not that scary. And I'm sure we're going to get into that here in a minute.
0: Yeah, man. What, I mean, why don't we start with, for anyone that's unfamiliar, what is a UTXO? Like, what does that stand for?
1: Yeah. So UTXO is an acronym. It stands for unspent transaction output. So the, the TX in the middle there is kind of for transaction. And, and when people hear that unspent transaction output, that sounds extremely technical, so that doesn't really shed much light on what it actually is, but basically anytime a transaction occurs, you've got inputs and you've got outputs. So you've got people sending Bitcoin and you've got people receiving Bitcoin. So the people that are receiving Bitcoin, what they receive are the outputs and so They're receiving UTXOs, the, the unspent part just means that it's a chunk of Bitcoin that has been received, but it's not been sent again. So it's still at the same address that received it. So in other words, if I sent you some Bitcoin right now, just with a normal Bitcoin transaction, you would receive a UTXO worth the amount that I'm sending you. And. The reason why this is important is because all Bitcoin exists as UTXOs and you can have a wallet full of Bitcoin and you can have the same amount of Bitcoin in different numbers of UTXOs. So for example, I could have maybe a wallet with one Bitcoin in it and it could just be one UTXO inside that wallet. And that's because I received only one deposit worth that amount. But also I could have a wallet with one Bitcoin in it, but I received that Bitcoin in several transactions. So I was receiving maybe a quarter of a Bitcoin and then a half of a Bitcoin, and then a few more smaller chunks that add up to one. Now my wallet, you know, it still has one Bitcoin total, but it actually has several UTXOs in it worth these different amounts. So. Again, you can think of a UTXO as like a chunk of Bitcoin, basically.
0: Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I someone gave me a really cool analogy once on UTXOs. It was kind of like, you know, you have the average person has used cash before in their life, right? Like, you can have a hundred dollar bill, or you can have one hundred one dollar bills, or you know, five twenty dollar bills. And that's kind of the same concept, like a UTXO is is almost like a bill of a certain value, right? But all those together are comprised of the total money you have, the $100, right? Is that, in your opinion, a pretty good, pretty good analogy?
1: Yeah, I love that one. So you can almost think of a Bitcoin wallet like a piggy bank. And then when you're receiving deposits, you're getting UTXOs. You can think of that as like dollar bills worth specific amounts that are landing in your piggy bank. Now, UTXOs can be any amount though, right? Dollars are kind of limited to like denominations of $1, $5, 20, et cetera. But with UTXOs, they can be any amount. And that's different than like the bank account model, right? if you have a bank account and you receive, you know, 20 deposits that add up to a thousand dollars. You know that's that's no different than just receiving one deposit worth a thousand dollars there's no there's no implications between the two and any any differences but with dollar bills in a piggy bank as well as with utxos for bitcoin it does matter if you think about having a 100 hundred dollar bill in your piggy bank versus a hundred one dollar bills you have different choices to make when you go to take some money out maybe to buy something right if you take only have a hundred dollar bill you're going to give it to someone if you're buying twenty dollars worth of goods they need to give you change of like eighty dollars or you could give them a wad of 20 different one dollar bills and and so there there is differences there
0: yeah totally definitely makes sense i mean for the average person that's you know most people are just stacking bitcoin you know it's a scarce asset you know they just want to hold it for the long term like in your mind who needs to be aware of like understanding a UTXO all the things about it and like why why is it so important to to understand these things
1: yeah great question so for someone that has just bought bitcoin but they haven't taken self-custody of the bitcoin yet which you know if anyone's in that position you definitely should prioritize that for reasons we talked about in our last episode together but so yeah if someone else is holding on to your bitcoin for you if you're using a a custodian which is a dangerous idea then utxos don't matter to you okay but once you do take that very important step to hold your own keys to the bitcoin and the bitcoin is now in your self-custody now utxos start to matter a bit more now they are a little bit technical and intimidating to someone who's brand new to bitcoin and so i don't really consider utxos to be a like beginner level necessity right your focus probably if you're brand new should just be stacking up bitcoin and moving it to self custody and then you can learn about utxos a little later as sort of an intermediate level you know lesson so But, but it is something that people should graduate into because once you learn about UTXOs, you do have a lot more control over uh, your money because you, uh, UTXOs can affect how much transaction fees that you have to pay. And they can also have some privacy implications as well.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of in that position, right? I've been using and holding and buying Bitcoin for a couple of years now. And, you know, I understood what a UTXO was, but, you know, I never really grasped why it mattered, what the future implications are until people like yourself, you know, started writing articles and posting about, you know, what happens 10, maybe 20, or, you know, it could be even shorter, but like 10 years from now, when there's a much higher demand for Bitcoin. And, you know, a lot of this, this conversation, I feel, was was sparked from the whole, like, ordinals, inscriptions, things, JPEGs on the blockchain, causing the fees to go, you know, pretty parabolic. We saw these really big fee spikes recently, and we've, we've seen some in the past right? But that's, that's kind of what was fresh on everyone's mind and and prompted that conversation again. So that's what kind of drove me to want to learn about this. And, you know, luckily, there's people like yourself that are they're out here educating and writing articles about it. So, like, you know, you wrote an article about how to prevent UTXO small ones from becoming essentially dust, right? So could you, you know, give us a little walkthrough? Like, what what's the necessity to, to understand this? Like what, what is this dust? Does this just mean my Bitcoin's worthless or, you know, what, what's like the purpose behind that article?
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, the dust article was my most recent one and that was a really fun one to write. So, like I said, a a minute ago, UTXO's, they kind of have two, two different implications for, for Bitcoin holders. One is on transaction fees. The other is privacy. The privacy stuff, I think, is a bit more advanced. And so we can push that to the side and maybe come back to that later, perhaps. But yeah, the transaction fee side is is definitely what people want to be learning about first, I would say. And the dust aspect, I do want to get to that. But first, it's important for people to understand how transaction fees are calculated in Bitcoin. I think you did an episode towards the beginning of this podcast about the mempool, which is a great dashboard for looking at transaction fees and stuff, what people are paying to to move their Bitcoin. But it it all boils down to a very simple calculation for when you need to move your Bitcoin, how much you're going to have to pay. It's going to be the amount of data that your transaction is using. So that's measured in bytes. And then also the fee rate that you're choosing and the fee rate is going to be sats per byte. Okay. So if you have, you know, a hundred bytes of data and you're paying one sat per byte, then your transaction is going to cost a hundred sats, right? That's maybe not a realistic example, but that's just to demonstrate the equation there. And so the. Those two components, the data and the fee rate, let's dive into both of those. They're both really important. So the data that your transaction uses, that is dependent on a few factors, but one of the main ones is going to be how many UTXOs you're moving. All right, so we, we talked about how you can have a wallet with just one UTXO, all of your Bitcoins in that one UTXO, or you could have a wallet where your Bitcoin is spread across many UTXOs. Now, if you want to spend, you know, the majority of your Bitcoin out of your wallet or move it somewhere, the number of UTXOs contributes to the data and that contributes to the cost to move the Bitcoin, right? And also I should, I should note that at, at no point in that equation is the amount of Bitcoin relevant, right? So you could move a hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin, or you could move a billion dollars worth of Bitcoin. And that doesn't matter for how much fees you're paying. It only matters again, the data and the fee rate. Um, So the data part is pretty simple. Again, it's kind of how many UTXOs you have. Then the fee rate is, is something you get to choose. So you could choose a low fee rate. You could choose a high fee rate. You're generally going to choose something based on what other people are choosing at the time. What is the demand to move Bitcoin like? So if demand is high, you might have to, to pay a higher fee rate to get your Bitcoin moved quickly. If demand is low, you might not. It also depends on your personal urgency to move the Bitcoin. Okay. And so once you have the fee rate chosen and you have the amount of data, then you know how much you're going to pay. Now there are small UTXOs that you could have where they are a set amount of data. And the minimum fee rate that you can pay is going to be one Satoshi per byte. So if you have a UTXO, that's worth a very tiny amount, like 250 Satoshis or something then you you it could cost you more than that utxo is worth in order to move it and so that's going back to to what to your question about dust that's loosely what dust means it's bitcoin it's a it's a chunk of bitcoin that costs more to move it than it's worth and so you know why would you ever spend more money to unlock a less amount of money it's like it's basically worthless to you at that point
0: gotcha Okay, couple questions for you. So what you just said about dust, like to give an example, you know, if I were to do like a credit card payment for 30 cents, like most credit card companies charge like a 30 cent per transaction fee. So to the merchant, that's just dust, right? So that that's probably a pretty, pretty good comparison and why a lot of people don't like to do tiny credit card transactions and second you mentioned that you know the the amount of bitcoin doesn't determine the size so i could have you know one bitcoin or a thousand within a utxo what what is it that's determining the size of of a utxo
1: oh yeah that's a great question so it's it's most most UTXOs are going to be about the same amount of data, but the variances really depend on, what's called the, the script or, or the address type. And that gets a bit technical, but, but, but basically you can, you can think of it as single signature is going to be less data than multi-signature. That might change in the near future, but that's, that's how it's been. And then also like. If anyone has heard of SegWit before, which is a, you know, famous soft fork, there were like address types that were pre-SegWit and address types that were post-SegWit and, and post-SegWit address types are going to be less data. So that was, that was a helpful upgrade for, for people to save on fees and Also, historically, if you've been, if you use multi-sig, the quorum size matters. So if you're, if you have a kind of a simple multi-sig quorum, like a two of three, that's going to be cheaper than, than a a three of five or, you know, larger numbers. Gotcha.
0: Okay. That makes sense. And then if I, you know, obviously want to put like a monkey in on there, that that's going to increase the size and I'm going to spend more in fees. Is that... Kind of the idea if you're you're like putting data in there as well.
1: Yeah, I haven't messed with that too much myself, but but with taproot addresses, that's where these inscription stuff are ha- are uh, happening, and I think that data is discounted. It's using the segwit discount, but but yeah, it certainly does add data. It does add cost. I wish I knew more about that, but that's about the extent of my knowledge on that.
0: I mean, I I don't find it personally too interesting, so I don't blame you for not doing your research there. You know, they can do whatever they want, but I I guess it just helps understand, like, why fees are going up with demand. And, you know, just I thought it was cool looking at the mempool and just seeing, like, what people were spending on on some of these transactions. Because it seemed quite outrageous, like a very small amount of, of Bitcoin they're paying a large fee for obviously mm-hmm. it wasn't it doesn't make monetary sense so you know they were doing it for different purposes you know logging that on the blockchain whatever the data was a picture things like that right so it's kind of an interesting aspect but i guess so what what should we do with this information right we know that in the future as demand increases you know th- people are trying to send more transactions on the blockchain they want them to go through quickly that means people are willing to to pay more you know what does that mean for for me as someone that you know just kind of stacks bitcoin right now but you know i hope to be able to spend it for for products or services that i want in the future right Mm
1: -hmm. yeah i'm glad you asked that because you know up to this point it's like yeah this is interesting but but what do i do with this and if you want to limit your transaction fees that you have to pay and you want to avoid dust. There's some strategies that you can use now while you're stacking Bitcoin to make your life easier down the road. So again, looking purely from a a fee standpoint, um, you want to limit the amount of UTXOs you are holding. So you do that by receiving fewer deposits to your wallet. So if you are buying Bitcoin on an exchange, and then you're sending that Bitcoin to your, your wallet that you hold the keys to, your self-custody. If you do that once per day, right, you buy Bitcoin every day and then you immediately move it into your wallet, you're going to get a new UTXO in your wallet every day. And you're going to, you know, over the course of a month, you're going to have 30 UTXOs and, and now you're setting yourself up for higher fees down the road, um, especially if you have to move your Bitcoin during a high fee rate environment. So people should consider an alternative of you know, maybe let the Bitcoin build up a little bit on the exchange before you move it to self custody so you can move it with less frequency. There is a trade off there that you're keeping a little bit more of your Bitcoin in someone else's custody. that for that amount of time but hopefully that's you know a relatively small percentage of your total bitcoin and so if you do it if if you move bitcoin off the exchange maybe you know two or three times a month then you're going to be building building up those utxos at a much slower rate and that's going to be good for your fees and then also you you want to be Careful with the sizing that you're doing as well. So uh, you don't want to hold UTXOs that are super tiny because if fee rates go up and they stay elevated, then effectively some of those UTXOs that you're holding that are really small, they could become operative dust. So, uh, you know, if you needed to move it quickly, you're going to be paying more in fees than what it's worth. So. A rule of thumb that some people have been talking about lately is like, try not to hold too many UTXOs that are less than a million Satoshis. And a million sats right now costs like 300 bucks or so. So, you know, if you're letting Bitcoin get up to that amount on the exchange before you move it into self-custody, that's probably a good thing. It also means though that... As we go into the future, if Bitcoin becomes more valuable, it could be harder to afford a million Satoshis. So, you know, we could be facing kind of a a problem there in coming years. And before I forget, I also want to mention that if you're someone that does have a lot of UTXOs, there is something you can do about that. So if you're someone that has been moving Bitcoin off the exchange into self custody, like a, a few times a week, and you might have built up all these UTXOs. You can consolidate them. You can do a UTXO consolidation. It's a very simple process. You just grab a bunch of UTXOs that you're holding, you send them back to yourself, back to your, back to your wallet. And the result is that you've basically combined them into one UTXO. So you you could go from 30 down to one quite easily. You're going to have to pay some transaction fees to do that, but if you perform that consolidation when fee rates are relatively low then you will be saving money you know if you ever had to move your bitcoin when fee rates are much higher so i know i kind of rambled there for a bit but hopefully that made sense no yeah 100 percent. i think you covered all
0: the bases there but like one one thing that i you know always had a question mark about prior to this conversation and you know like diving deeper into your article was like Everyone says just consolidate your UTXOs. I didn't know what that meant. I mean, simple enough. You're just sending a a transaction to yourself. But I I think it's important to note, like, not every wallet software allows you to do something like that, right? Um, You have to have one that specifically allows for coin control. So you can actually see each individual UTXO, select those small ones that you want to consolidate uh, put that in a send address and then obviously paste your, your receipt, uh, within the same wallet. Is that all accurate?
1: Yeah, that's a very good point because, a lot of Bitcoin wallets, they, they don't show you anything about your UTXOs. They do that on purpose actually, because a lot of people that are new, they, they don't want to be overwhelmed with that kind of technical information. And they don't want to have to think about that. That's going to scare them away from Bitcoin. So. Yeah, a lot of introductory level wallets and stuff that people are used to might not be able to see the details, but luckily Bitcoin wallets, you can generally take the the underlying information and you can load it into a different wallet software, a different interface that does allow you to see the full details of the UTXOs that you're holding and what they're worth. And then when you go to spend, you can actually manually select which ones you want to spend, and that's actually good for privacy as well. But if you don't manually select it and you go to send Bitcoin, then there's just going to be some sort of algorithm that chooses for you which UTXOs you're spending. If someone's on like a desktop and they want to know an example of a wallet that lets you see UTXOs and lets you control them, Sparrow Wallet is a really popular one that's pretty has a good interface, it's and it's it has a lot of cool tools. Also, Unchained has built a browser based open source wallet as well, which is called Caravan. And people can control U- UTXOs on that as well.
0: Cool, cool. Yeah. Honestly, I wasn't sure if if minded, I I use a Trezor. I've had it for a few years now. And I I'm, I'm not someone that sends a lot of Bitcoin. Usually I use like you know a software wallet if i'm spending or you know transacting in general you know either a software wallet that does lightning or you know some new base chain but yeah it was cool to know i you know logged in my treasure suite and there it was coin control when i go to hit send so i can actually go through my list and i was actually kind of blown away i didn't realize how many utxos i had in there so after this conversation i'm definitely going to go through and do a consolidation is, is there like, so there? there's that kind of thought of rule, like nothing less than 0.01 or a million Satoshis, right? Is that something, you know, that's based on like a, a price number or do you, do you have any like background on why or, or where that number comes from?
1: Yeah, and I would say it's definitely just a very rough, estimate rule of thumb, I don't think people need to, you know, be worried if they have a few UTXOs that are less than a million sats. I would say it's important not to keep like the bulk of your Bitcoin amongst UTXOs that are less than a million sats. But if you have a few of your UTXOs are on the smaller side, then, you know, the majority of your Bitcoin is still protected from, from really high fees. But yeah, the, the million or the million sat number that comes from calculating, you know, what the average amount of data is for, to move a particular UTXO and then kind of speculation on how high could fee rates get in the future. So, you know, throughout. 2022 fee rates were very low it was very often just one sat per byte that you could pay to move your bitcoin quickly but there are periods of much higher demand that can be sustained for weeks or months Um, in early 2021 when we had you know some of the the top of the bull market There was a lot of excitement there. A lot of Bitcoin was flying around and you did have sustained periods of higher fees. And then we saw that again, just like, you know, not that long ago in 2023 with the demand for, you know, the inscription stuff and all that. So yeah, we don't really know what the fee rates are going to look like in the future. That's just something that needs to be speculated upon. You know, we, we all expect... Since we're Bitcoiners, we all expect Bitcoin will become more and more adopted because it just makes sense. And right now there's such a small population in the world that's actually, you know, taking it seriously and and using it heavily. So the, the number of people certainly has a lot of room to grow. That could mean that the demand to use the block space on the blockchain is going to go up a lot and that could drive up fee rates, but. There's also some other factors that, you know, will, are going to keep fee rates down a bit. Um, most people that are into Bitcoin have heard of lightning, you know, layer twos that helps people move Bitcoin around without, doing a transaction on the blockchain and using up that block space. So that takes some, some demand away from, from fees and fee rates. And then also if fee rates get too high then there's going to be somewhat of an equilibrium effect pushing it back down because too many UTXOs are going to start to hit that dust threshold where it doesn't make sense to move them and then that'll also bring down the demand. Um,
0: Yeah that that definitely makes sense I kind of had two thoughts that came out of that one you mentioned like there's a ton of building on kind of like these these side chains layer twos right so it's super cool that there's there's going to be tools but you know as those generate as well like you know that that might generate some more demand for the block space you know whether it's you know i've learned a lot about liquid recently obviously lightning you know if we can do a bulk majority of the transactions off there fantastic you know we still need to move you know have a main chain move to get them onto to layer two right so like going through to understand coin control is you know super important in my opinion now just so if you plan to spend bitcoin in the future you know how to do it in an efficient manner right you're not spending five utxos where you could have just spent one things like that right so i think it's important as as you get more comfortable with bitcoin if you have a long-term outlook and plan to spend that stuff in the future something that's going to be super important but yeah, I mean, super excited about the, the layer twos that are coming out that, you know, will allow for for cheaper and faster transactions because, you know, I share the opinion that base chains probably going to have a ton of demand from lots of different projects, you know, large movement of coins, things like that. Um, but just buying a coffee, you know, it's probably going to be done on something like lightning, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it, it kind of highlights the need for second layer, you know, Bitcoin only processes a block on average once every 10 minutes. That block can only hold, you know, about a a megabyte worth of data. There's some some types of data that get a bit of a discount there. But but yeah, the the reason why Bitcoin is like that is to keep it decentralized. You know, a lot of other crypto stuff have gone the direction of trying to make block time faster. You don't have to wait 10 minutes or they, they increase the amount of data that can be held in a block, but then it just becomes harder to run a node and, and harder to be decentralized. So I think Bitcoin is going to stay the way it is. And, but you know, we absolutely need effective layer two solutions to onboard the world into this monetary system.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Tom, this has been super educational for me. I want to do like a quick roundup, like the takeaways that everyone should have from this show. For me, you know, le- understand what a UTXO is. Ho- hopefully you got that from this. If you don't, you know, Tom's got some great articles on his site. Definitely check them out. I'm going to post, you know, some links in-, in the show notes. to understand and, you know, check if your wallet has coin control. See if you can see all these UTXOs, what sizes they are, and maybe do a consolidation, right? If they're, you've got a bunch of UTXOs worth like 20 bucks, you know, maybe put some of those together so you have close to a million sats in it, right? Um, I guess three, you know, understanding that that threshold about a million sats is kind of what, what's speculated upon right now. Uh, it may change, so obviously something to keep tabs on and be aware of as demand grows, uh, for Bitcoin base chain. Um, and I forgot my last point. Oh yeah. For a super popular, you know, thing that people do is dollar cost average into Bitcoin, right? Like not many people are going out, buying a whole coin at a time. They're doing a couple bucks a day or weekly, monthly, things like that. Right. So setting a threshold of that withdrawal, you know, whether it's something you have automatic whether it's something you do manually, you know, maybe every time you smash by 20 bucks, you know, probably not super smart to move that into cold storage until it's accumulated close to that, you know, million sat number currently sits at 300 bucks. That's something I'm comfortable, you know, walking around with in my wallet, you know, maybe leaving on an exchange for, you know, 30 days or so. So to me, those are the biggest takeaways. Did I miss anything, Tom, anything else that, you know, people should walk away with from, from listening to this.
1: Yeah. I'll, I'll add on just a couple of quick things, but that is the most important summary. Um, so definitely if you consider doing a UTXO consolidation, just, um, don't do it just to do it, uh, because it's important that you do try to do it at a, at a low fee rate, um, because it's really only going to save you money if, you do it at a lower fee rate. And then in the future, you move your Bitcoin at a higher fee rate. If you do the reverse of that, then you've actually paid more in fees doing the consolidation than you need to. Um, the other thing is that, we, you know, it's a more complicated topic, we didn't get too deep into it in this episode. But there is privacy, the privacy side of it. Um, whenever you consolidate UTXOs, you're sort of linking them together. And if they were previously separated then you know you're sort of revealing some information that all of this bitcoin belongs to the same person so so you do want to keep that in mind if privacy is something that's really important to you but other than that yeah i think the main things right now are just making sure you don't have super tiny utxos and you don't have a large number of them either because that's gonna uh, otherwise you're going to regret that probably down the line yeah
0: most definitely. And yeah, the privacy stuff is super important for those that are, you know, buying non-KYC Bitcoin. So if you're familiar with what that is and you're, you're like buying peer to peer and on an exchange and like housing them in the same wallet, you probably don't want to combine those together. If that's, you know, was your ultimate goal of buying non-KYC in the first place? right? So yeah, yeah that uh, great point to make. I appreciate it, Tom. Yeah, let's go ahead and wrap this up unless you have anything else that you think super important to, to cover on the topic.
1: No, I think this is a, a great summary for someone who is like brand new to the subject.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Thank you again. Thank you so much for your time, Tom. I, I've learned a ton. I'm going to dive into my wallet. I'm going to look through some of these UTXOs and see if I can do a
1: consolidation today. Absolutely. Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on Alec.
0: Awesome, man. Great to talk again. And I'm sure we'll be chatting again soon. Have a good one.